Hey, this is Fancy, and welcome to the Content is Profit podcast. And you might be asking yourself, where is the other brother? Well, my brother just had his second child, so make sure you go and show him some love, guys. We're very, very excited here at the house, but he's also taking the week off so we can spend some time with the family. And that is why we decided to start the Hall of Fame series. We're going to bring back on the next three episodes some of the biggest and most incredible entrepreneurs we've had on the podcast. And we're going we're going to start with the one and only Chris Doe. For those that are not familiar with Chris Doe, he is the founder of Future. He is on a mission to impacting one billion people. Yes, billion with a B. Absolutely amazing. He has one million subscribers in YouTube. He owns multiple seven-figure businesses. He's an author, a podcaster, and much more. I'm telling you, this guy is absolutely impressive. He is an absolute legend. If you want to check it out, make sure you go and connect with him on Instagram. He is super active in there. In this conversation, guys, we talk all about what is the first rule of learning. What skills should you learn? Should you be a specialist, a generalist? You take your pick. Also, we talk about getting in the mindset of helping over selling and let me tell you this guy just dropped golden boulders all over the place he knows how to sell if you've seen his instagram reel videos you know this guy is an expert so let's get straight to it and i'll see you on the next one please welcome founder of the future legendary entrepreneur and content is profit future Hall of Famer, Mr. Chris Doe. You guys have so much energy. I'm like, oh, when does this begin? I don't know. It's about to explode. Love it. Welcome, Chris. We are extremely Thank excited to, to have you here in Content Profit, man. Thank you for being that last guest of 2020. It's incredible. Happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I was thinking this morning, what a way to yeah. say goodbye to the content is profit year with Chris Doe in yeah. here. So thank you. So before we started the interview, you know, Chris is like, who's who? And, and, and you know, we, we now, yeah, for yeah. those for those watching, we're, you know, matching right now purple t-shirts. So that was definitely on purpose to confuse him. You know, clearly <laughs> I'm Fonzie. So Fonzie is a sexy voice with a beard over here and uh, we're good to go. So dude, Chris, why don't you share a little bit of your story? Like how, how do you get to this point where you're like, your mission is, teach a billion people, you know, you just reach 1 million subscribers on YouTube. Congrats. I know that that might be thank just you, a, a, a vanity number, but it does mean a lot. There's a lot of people that sync with your message, with what you teach, and you're helping thousands of people, you know, reach out those, those amazing goals. So how do you get there? Like where, where's that start? Yeah. Okay. So I think we are hardwired as human beings to want to help other people. And we do this in small ways and some of us are able to do it in ways that scale. I've loved teaching and I was teaching at Art Center for 15 years, but the problem was it was always with a small group of very specific people who, who for a circumstance are privileged because they can afford to go to a private art school that their parents and whoever support them allow them to pursue this creative endeavor. What about the rest of us? What about the people who yeah. aren't in the United States, who aren't in California, who can't afford this private school art education? What do we do about them? And we need to change that. And a friend of mine, Jose Caballero, in 2014, invited me to start teaching on YouTube, something I had not thought about. Yeah. And mm. he pulled me in reluctantly. <laughs> and I started to do this. And I was like, this is really cool. 
and you start to see the messages and the comments start to stream in yeah. a little bit at the beginning, just one message every other day, two messages, something like that. But now that we've been doing this for six years, we've reached, uh, I think, uh, almost a tipping point in which enough people who are interested in design start mm. to know about the future and what it is we're trying to do. So that's the one billion mission that we're on. Yeah, Ooh. that is amazing. Chris, you know something that resonated with me so much and we met you at PodMax, right? Well, mm. officially met you at <laughs> PodMax. You were the keynote speaker there and we know Josh is listening. So thank you, Josh, for bringing him on. And <laughs> you mentioned that you started your publishing journey at the young age of 42, right? And I was like, wow, first of all, he looks like 25. So I was, <laughs> I, was, I was very confused. But then I was like, that is incredible because so many people think they are already late to the game, right? I personally thought that I am 28 right now when we started Biz Bros was about four years, five years ago. And mm -hmm. I let four years pass. And this year when we started publishing again, I was like, I'm late. I thought I was late. And when I heard your story, that was so empowering. What, what made you, right? Like, I know your friend dragged you over, but what made you <laughs> yeah. finally click and say, you know what? I'm going to continue to do this for six years instead of doing it once and saying, you know what, I'm late to the game. Yeah, before I answer that question, I do want to say something. Uh, I'm going to try to do my best uh, Marlon Brando voice here. <laughs> you made me an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> so <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> you can come in and you just sit here like a dummy. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. And I'll take care of the rest. Now, he had experience doing many live streams and shows. Mm -hmm. He's an extroverted person. He likes to talk. He's very... Uh, quick with his thinking and so I felt very safe to sit there and in the first couple of shows I don't say anything mm -hmm. where it connects where it resonates and where it becomes its own thing is I start to discover I have this voice I hate my own voice <laughs> for a long time but when I mean like I discover my own voice and that I have something to say I have a unique set of experiences Liam Neeson's you know a unique set of skills yeah <laughs> and I can help people and I, I have the experience in teaching and running a business and it's time for me to get out of my own way, my own mm. issues with self-awareness, self-confidence, mm. uh, self-esteem. I had to push those aside and say, you know what, I'm here to try to help people. And if this is helping people, then I'll continue to do this. And so far, I'm continually encouraged by the people who tune in to say, this is transformative. This has gotten yeah. me out of a dark place. I wanted to quit design. Uh, my boss was abusive. I, I was working in a toxic work environment. I didn't know what the next steps were. And you opened the door for me. Wow. And I got to tell you that nature, that human nature of like trying to help people when you hear things like that. Yeah. How could you stop? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does get addicting. And, you know, pers personally, like Fonsi mentioned, like we've we've started the company about five years ago. We started as a sticker company and then T-shirt company. And then we transitioned to social media management because we were trying to figure out how to sell these things. And and we never really started publishing the show, for example, till March when COVID hit. Right. We, we've we were told by our coaches, we were told by the people that we invested with, like you guys have to publish every single day. Like, what, what are you guys doing? And we're actually selling a service that allow our clients to do that but we're not doing it ourselves and uh, it, it, it took like this crazy experience that was very painful personally because we lost about 80% of our business to kickstart this this publishing right and uh, 
is it do you think is necessary to kind of like a pain like that you just described that you were in a dark place for us that was very dark because we literally thought the business was going to be gone in 60 days so we're like this is the time to go dive in and everything has been incredible ever since lots of learning lots of connection lots of people that we've been able to met just like you coming into the show and now we have a team of eight that is executing every single day for our clients and, and it's incredible we're getting to work with people that we love now, is it necessary for people to actually touch that dark place to be able to react and start creating and start teaching and start creating that impact for other people? Yeah, I can't say in a broad blanket statement that everybody has to go to a dark place before they can see the light. But sometimes in that challenge, in the obstacle, in the darkness, you find mm -hmm. out who you are, what your resolve yeah. is and what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to do. Yeah. And I think that it's a, a test of character. And no. so each and every single person who goes through this and they say to themselves, despite the obstacles, despite the challenges and the disadvantages I have in my life and people who are, are casting stones at me, despite yeah. all that stuff, I'm so determined. I'm going to go forward. I'm going to do this thing that they wind up being successful just because of that sheer will and determination to succeed. Absolutely. It's like Terminator vision, right? Yeah. It's like, I want John Connor, Sarah Connor. That's it. Connor. I'm going to go in and I'm not going to stop until you melt me down. Sorry, yeah. spoiler alert. <laughs> Just, yeah. I, I got I got to add here. I love the movie references, first of all. <laughs> and I, I do have a selfish question that I want to wait for the, the, the end of the show to ask. But I'm curious because you had that person that was support for you that he said, sit here, don't say anything. Right? And mm. a lot of people they might not have someone like that, that that offer a seat right next to them and and be of, hey, learn with me and just be on camera. How do they get, how can they get started? How can they say, I mean, we last episode we have someone say, just do, right? Which we think <laughs> it's amazing uh, advice. But I'm curious, because a lot of people have those limiting beliefs, right? That they hold yeah. them and, and it's very difficult to just do sometimes. So what would you tell these people? Okay, uh, misery loves company. So if you're going to be miserable, invite somebody else to be miserable with you <laughs> and just do it together. And you both can suck. You don't have to have a mentor that's professional and that's good. It's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel safer. Think about this. If you go to a party and you know no one, that's why you have a wing person, a wing man, a wing mm. woman who comes with you. So it's like, no matter what, you'll be lost together. Yeah. And it's a lot less daunting. It's a lot less intimidating. Same thing is if you're lost in the wilderness, it sucks to be out there by yourself. Yeah. So just having one other person. Now, here's another one. Tom Hanks in, in the movie. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, the, the one where uh, Castaway. Yeah. He's by himself and he's going to lose his mind. So he makes an imaginary friend called Wilson. He's like, Wilson. Wow. <laughs> and so he talks it, And that Wilson ball is the thing that keeps him sane. So that's one thing that you can do. Another thing I'm going to recommend that people do is if you really want to be an engaging, dynamic, charismatic person on camera. Mm. Study people who are engaging, dynamic, and great on camera. Who are these people? I like to look at stand-up comedians, how they mm. own the stage. They're kind of naked on stage, not literally, but it's <laughs> just except them telling if it's Bert. Uh, I think it's Bert that he has a Netflix show and he's like shirtless. I mean, except <laughs> him, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> some some people do do that. I saw that one. You know, so you study comedians yeah. and stand-up comics and see they do and you adopt different mannerisms mm. like my wife she'll she was like what are you doing and i'm trying to <laughs> retell their sets their their jokes and their bits in the way that they say it how they walk on stage right mm. if if i can do that then some of that is then that person 
becoming my unofficial teacher. Wow. That's how I learned. That's, that's impressive. So you do go around the house kind of like impersonating these comedians and are you repeating their jokes or are you adding your <laughs> own things while you're trying to teach to other people while doing this? That's a great question. The first rule in learning something is just to copy. Mm. And people skip over that process. Uh, and this happens all, all the time. Like my two children, uh, I have two boys. One of them aspires to be a designer and is an artist. And I'll say, okay, here's how you do this thing. Here's how you do this drawing. He's like, no, 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 I got it, Dad. <laughs> so he wants to skip over the foundation of the hard work, the yeah. repetition, the practice, and the exercise. So my recommendation for you is first, just try to copy, try to imitate, try to get close to that. So the cadence, the story, the inflection, uh, holding like that pregnant pause before you kind of have the release. Yeah. Just do that like they do it first. And by doing that over and over again, you can't help but then to filter some of that through your own way of doing things. Mm. And it starts to become your own unique style. Yeah, I'm not telling those jokes on camera. <laughs> I'm just doing that for practice so that I can see what it feels like yeah. to be able to land and deliver a story or a joke. Yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the idea. Chris, you're going to see us tonight in front of the TV, <laughs> just walking around saying the um, jokes uh, that, that we find on Netflix. And yeah, Chris, just so you know, like a quick parenthesis here, like in the last like legit 20 episodes, uh, people have been saying that I'm kind of funny and my wife <laughs> doesn't believe me. Uh, so now you're just giving me permission to go and be funny in the house. So I might be scared that she's gonna actually going to kick me out of the house. Uh, so I hope you have room in there in the future studios and, uh, so I can come hang out. No, but all jokes aside, I love that lesson. And, and it's something that a lot of people skip, not only on publishing, but also like in their businesses, right? Like they just want to get to that instant gratification very quickly. And, and you know, that happened to us in the first like couple of years where like total bro marketer, right? We want the Lambo, right? And it was the need, it was the greed. And it was, that that was the seed that got us started. And then as we started our journey, that continually, like that completely evolved and changed. And now the mission is completely different. It could not be further from that, right? Uh, so thank you for, for that lesson, because if we have to put in place those things that are working and then start morphing it into what works for us, right? That's why we do the show together. Yeah, and I, I wanted to add something to what you said that I think is so important. I don't want people to miss it out, right? You said, first copy, start copying. And there's this book that we read, it's called A Technique for Producing Ideas. It's a book of like 20 pages, it's absolutely amazing. It was written by a, cop a copywriter, his last name is Webb, I don't remember the first name. But he goes and he said, it is key that you obviously are very knowledgeable in your field and then you start learning on the general field of things. And then you're going to start tying those ideas and that's how you create new ideas. And I think it's the same exact thing with the process that you're saying, right? Because you are very knowledgeable on what you want to say and how you want to deliver it in a way. But now by practicing and copying what these comedians are doing, you have a way to tie those two together and deliver something totally new that is unique to yourself. 100%. And I want to echo what you just said. If you think about your human body, like I have fingers, I have hands, I have toes, but I have one spine. And the mm -hmm. spine is what is able to, to keep the structure, this bag of flesh and water together. And that spine is like your area of focus, your expertise, your practice, your discipline, your vocation, your profession, whatever it is. Have that one really strong structure so that you can hang the rest of who you are on. Mm -hmm. So for me, 
and for a lot of people who are, who are probably listening or watching this, it's you have to find that thing. For me, it was graphic design mm. and more specifically typography. Mm. So at the end of the day, if you cut me, if you strip me of all that I have, I could still say I'm going to design with type better than a lot of people. And yeah. from there, I'm able to build disparate interests and things that have no relationship to typography. But that's just part of my spine and my identity. And then yeah. I'm able to tie these other ideas together. Over time, the spine grows really strong. It grows really broad. So there are many things that you can talk about. So now I talk a lot about pricing strategy, about negotiations, mm -hmm. about communication, and just mindset stuff. Yeah. But it was built on that one central trunk. Yeah, I, wow. I, I love this because especially like producing content, like we obviously, we, we since we started, we tried every single one and just this show has been the one spine, I feel like mm -hmm. for us, yeah. not only to, you know, reach audiences, to share with people, connect. It has been amazing in so many levels, right? And it has become that spine and it, it, it continues to evolve. But what we've seen also that happened to us was everybody wants to start very broad, right? So what is yeah. your advice to when they're like, that is the way, like the way is to start broad and then go to, what is your advice? How do people should start, like, how do they identify that spine? Okay, there's a couple of things. So this is the, the argument that we always get. Should I specialize or should I be a generalist? Mm. And I think the creative person doesn't like repetition, doesn't want to do the same thing. <laughs> and that sounds really boring and like a death sentence for a lot of people. And we also think mistakenly, if we appeal to a lot of people by offering lots of different things, the market yeah. share for us is ginormous. It's scary to say like, I'm going to do identity design for mixed martial artists. It's scary in North America, right? Because yeah. now it's like all of a sudden I have to give up a lot of these things. but. When you start to focus mm -hmm. your attention on something, you can increase the intensity of that focus. Mm. We know this, and there's a lot of examples. So what I would ask each person is come to the conclusion yourself is in your life, when you look around and you study, you really study, not just on a superficial level, mm. the people that you admire who are successful, were they specialists first or generalists first? Mm. And then come to your own conclusion because I'm, to be honest, I'm tired of having this argument with people. Mm -hmm. So if you think more people are successful, the people you look up to and admire, and you study their their history, starting out as a journalist, then go do that and be successful and God bless you. But for me, and I've searched long and hard <laughs> to find clear examples of people who are total generalists yeah. who have become super successful. There's only a handful of them. Yeah. So the majority of the evidence seems to indicate that if you specialize first, develop true skill and mastery over something, and then you can start to expand, those people tend to be more successful. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to send them this clip. That's all. I mean, <laughs> if they ask, we're just going to send them this. That's all. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I want to take advantage of this moment to actually, you know, tell people to go and check out your YouTube channel because you have all these incredible resources. Yeah. Is the future without an E at the end, right? And I'm telling you, that is... You can binge watch that that channel for, <laughs> for hours and, and you will learn so much. So thank you so much for putting all that there. And Chris, what I really enjoy about talking with you and, and listening to your videos and your podcast is that you don't really try to push a belief, if I'm going to put it that way, right? You try to empower people. Like you just said, you're like, you can believe what you want, but do your research. I love that you try to empower people to think by themselves, right? And a lot of people in the marketing space, right? You see it, they're just trying to push their own beliefs into other people sometimes. Is that, because I'm trying to phrase this question 
uh, you know, I, I feel like that is needed sometimes, and I'm not 100% sure, to, you know, try to get business, and that's how my people might see it sometimes. But I'm curious, because you have a very, very unique uh, kind of like principle on teaching and, and empowering other people. And I want to know more about it. And how do you compare it to what other marketers are doing in the marketplace? Yeah, I think people have uh, mixed agendas. So they'll create content because it builds awareness because they want to be famous or they want to sell product or there's mm. some other agenda that's in there. And we're pretty smart. We've become quite attuned to picking up the signals because yeah. when you start to watch one of these videos, you're like, okay, lots of talking, no value, promises. I know a sales pitch coming in three, two, and then there's the <laughs> sales pitch. Yeah. And then it, it discredits the whole thing because you feel like, God, you were just selling to me the whole time. Why don't you just come up yeah. straight up front to say, like, I'm going to sell you this idea, uh, this product or this service, mm -hmm. and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Yeah. So at least we can be honest with each other. My thinking and my philosophy on this is that if I just help enough people, I will live richly in many different ways. Not always in money, but I will have purpose. I'll have meaning to my life. I'll know that I can die tomorrow and I've had uh, made some small dent in the universe. And that matters to me. I want my life to count for something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I want to put in, in record, I love that answer. And I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here because we okay. love it. And I, we Let's love challenging uh, ideas. And uh, <laughs> so for those that are operating from a place of need, the four, the first four years, it was all need for us, right? So we went to places where it's like, we don't really know this task or this strategy, but we're going to sell it, right? Because we had a connection with that person. And then we were research, execute. There's some results, not 100%. We're completely, uh, we have been completely honest with them to the point that one of them came to us like, guys, I feel like you guys are using me as your guinea pig, right? <laughs> and we're like, ah, oh, God punch, right? But it, it came from a place of need because we needed to finance the operations of the freelancing operation that we had at the time. So to those, right, you just mentioned, I can live richly in many different ways we now see it because now we are not in a place of need thank god knocking on wood right but for those that are in that place of need that are struggling to get that traction and it's like man they're publishing they're doing they're executing like they might not be sleeping they might not be eating well like what is your advice there okay um I have a lot of advice there, but I'm yeah. just curious, like where the counterpunch or the argument is happening. Uh, so, I'm not so, so, sure no, I understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so it's like, okay, for those that are in the place of need, because I would have probably asked, okay, I, I just need to to go and sell because if I don't sell, I need yeah. I will starve, basically. So when we say richly in many ways, reaching like, hey, I, I know my purpose. I'm helping millions of people. I'm happy with that, right? But I need money to yeah. eat, right? I need I need that yes. money. Uh huh. Okay, so there's a couple of things here. Uh, you need to sell. You need to be able to pay for the place that you live and the roof over your head uh, for food that you put onto the table. And survival mm -hmm. is your first instinct, and you must do that. I'm not talking about that just yet. But okay. let me ask you a couple of questions. One is if you look at every person as a prospect, somebody to sell services to, because you're so needy of money. How do you think they feel? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> What do you think the impression is when you create? So I find that people who, who try to sell, who try to close, who have a very clear agenda that they're not really trying to help me. Yeah. I get uh, it's it's it pushes me away. 
it makes me fearful. It makes me to lose trust in this person. Yeah. And if that's what's happened, what what you'll find out is the harder you try to sell, the fewer clients you get. Wow. So it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Okay. Now I want everybody who's listening to this, who's in a position where your survival depends on your ability to sell. I want you to rethink the word sell. I just want you to change that word. It's four letters. Let's just erase that word in your mind and just help. Mm. So mm. transform sale to help. Like I want to help you. And I genuinely and with full enthusiasm believe that where you have a challenge, I can actually provide service. So, but I want to understand what your needs are. I want to understand how you make decisions. I want to understand what has prevented you from having success up until yeah. this point. And if I can truly help you, I will. And sometimes helping you is to say, I'm not qualified for this. Yes. Sometimes being helpful to, is to refer someone else or to say like, you know what, uh, this, uh, is, you're, you're going to overpay for this. Yeah. I will charge you this amount, but you're going to overpay me to do this. If you mm -hmm. want, you should call somebody else for a lot less money. Yeah. What happens then is what you do is you build, you build trust. Yeah. And trust is really the currency that we're working with then, right? So you have to ask yourself this question. Everything you say, and more importantly, everything you do, either loses or gains trust in the other person's eyes. Yeah, wow. So ask yourself, the next time you have a call with a client, yep. how many, how, how deep is the bucket of trust that you're building versus the bucket of losing trust? So when the client says something yeah. and you cut them off, when the client has even fully clearly articulated their problem and you already say, I know the answer. Like, how is that possible? You could know the answer. I'm still working through it in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know I even need this? <laughs> so these are all assumptions that are really selfish and self-motivated versus trying to help the other person. The most wonderful thing happens if you help the other person, if you in their eyes are perceived as somebody who is worthy of being trusted, they mm. will not only pay you more money, they'll stop talking to other people and they'll give you more creative latitude than you've ever had in your life. So it's counterintuitive. And the reason why is I, I think it's because in popular culture and media, mm. we have too many bad examples of what it means to sell somebody something. Yeah. yeah. We have the Wolf of Wall Street. We have <laughs> con men, con women, con people yeah. who run around saying that's the alpha prototype is sell, 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 high pressure, aggressive. And to me, it's an old way of selling. I think it works in some areas when yeah. the seller has a lot of leverage, but in most cases for creative people, it's really ineffective. Yeah. Now yeah, I'd love absolutely. to hear from your audience. Uh, if you're tuning in live to say, yeah, yeah. I use high pressure sales <laughs> techniques and they work for me. Yeah, Please, we, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, put them in the comments. We would love to hear it. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, personally, when we changed that, uh, when when we changed that perspective, that's when everything clicked, right? Because it, it got to a point where it, it shifted. We're like, we're done. Like this is not the, what it does. I used to work in the fitness industry, so a lot of those studios use that pressure for you know. We're trying to convince people that that's the solution that they need. Well, they don't even want it, right? Like they they just went through this crazy workout and then they're dying, sweating you know, lower pressure. And then they were trying to sell $159 yeah. membership. No. So that like, personally, that was my inflection point. Mike, there has to be a, a better way. Yeah. And that's when we started implementing those things. So I, I appreciate your, uh, your input. Yeah, there, I appreciate it. We, we had a guest here called George Bryant, George Bryant, that he said something that day that really resonated. He said, instead of competing for getting clients, right, compete on who can serve them the best. 
And I think that right there is what makes actually a good sale, right? Because you know, like, hey, I'm coming here with the best intentions because I know for a fact that I can really help you, like you just said, right? Change that word sell from help. And I know what I do can add value to you. But I think, you know, whether that sale goes through or not, somewhat the people cannot attach themselves to that sale i feel like when you're attached yourself to that sale whether it happens or not right and if your mood or anything depends on that that is when you start losing and you start letting those sales control you um and i i wanted to point this out because you said think of your actions as whether you're gaining or losing trust with people and i love that because in one of the videos that i that i heard that i saw from you you were talking about this binary decision, right? Talking about, is this gonna add to my life or subtract from my life? Is it gonna be positive or negative? And I'm very curious, do you see everything in life in those kind of like binary lenses, whether I gain or I lose? That's a really, really good question. And, and the honest answer is no, I do not see things as binary. The reason why I say it in black and white terms is because people are confused and they're coming from the opposite point of view. They're, they lack clarity and focus. So everything seems viable to them and they have no system to measure whether or not they should pursue option A, B, C, or D. And so yeah. all of them look good. And so mm. for them, it's many shades of gray. So like at the beginning of the show, you said I help people by simplifying things. So what I have to do is I have to simplify it to a point in which it's going to hurt me or it's going to help me. They love me or they hate me. Mm. And then that way you can say, okay, it's definitely not love me. <laughs> it must be hate me then. Because we're always confused as the stuff in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if I help people to move things from category to category, and then now they can see, they can make a decision. But life isn't really that simple, obviously. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I don't govern my life that way. But I'm much more clear in my mind as to what I want and who I am. So it's a lot easier for me to make those decisions. Now, when I was teaching at Art Center, I would always ask the student who's sitting in front of me, it's like, whose voice are you hearing in your head right now? Because I'm literally talking to you, you specifically calling you by name and talking to you for five minutes. And yeah. when I'm done talking, you're, you have this glazed over look. Where was your mind? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's because a lot of people have noisy voices in their head. It's a parent, yeah. it's a teacher, it's a friend. It's the, all the critical inner voices that they're hearing that they can only filter in about 30% of what is being said. Wow. And that's why it's like, we have to learn how to quiet those voices so we can be present in the moment and grounded in what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think like the audience is agreeing with you. We have some comments coming in. Long-term relationships should be the goal. Uh, we have Tris saying, hey, totally agree. When you're pushing too much, it just pushes clients away. That's not how the law of attraction works. The more you let go and be authentic and consistent, the, then you will attract the right people. So I, I think we're right here on, on your court, including yeah. us, just saying. Uh, I <laughs> just want to put it for the record there. <laughs> Chris, well, you just mentioned about talking to someone and, you know, gazing away, just game, just reminded me of when I was younger and my dad, he would literally sit us down after a bad game of soccer and he would give us this like one hour spiel and then all of a sudden he would look at me and he says, repeat exactly what I just said. And I was like, lost uh, done yeah it was terrible <laughs> i was literally lost in my mind chris let me tell you it still happens here at the office you know we're having yeah, these awesome it. conversations and they're like hey fancy what did you just say <laughs> and it's just ptc okay I, I, i'm just dreaming you know dreaming of the possibilities everything all the people that we can help with this content yeah that, that, that's why and 
Chris, I, I wanted to to ask you as well. You know, I, I love this. I love the, the the internal side of things, but I'm very curious in your company, right? Because it seems like literally your plan is, your marketing plan seems to be, how can I help people? What <laughs> is the content, the piece of content I can create right now that is going to help the most amount of people? And a lot of a lot of marketing departments will be, that is crazy, right? Like, what is the big promise that we're delivering? What is the hook that we're going to use? What are our conversion rates and all this stuff? I'm curious, how does the marketing works <laughs> on the future and what you're doing? I think you might have a camera in our company or something because that pretty <laughs> much is what we do. So we have we have a couple different managers, right? And my main goal is to obsess over how we can help the communities that we serve. And I don't guess at it. I literally ask them on Twitter and on social media. It's, it's like, what kind of content do you enjoy the most from us? What kind of content are you seeing that you think we need to do more of? Or how can I help mm -hmm. you? What What are your challenges and roadblocks? I want to know. And then I have them vote on it. And then I go back to my team. Well, they said they want this. Let's start working on how we can deliver this piece of content. Wow. And then I'll go into my research cave. I'll read a book. I'll read an article. I'll watch videos just to make sure I'm not talking on my butt. It's like, I have yes. an idea, but I want it to have an informed opinion. Yeah. And then we share that. Now, it's been to our detriment. I have to be honest with you because uh, Ben, who runs the the revenue for our company, is like, Chris, uh, we're not making any money on this. I'm, I, I, I think you're aware of that, right? And I, I tell him, Ben, your job is to find a way to make money on it, not yeah. mine. My job is to teach people to help them. Yeah. And so we, we have to do some recalibration there for sure. Yeah. Uh, th thank you. And an incredible lesson there too, right? Like we, we often say, hey, find the who, right? Like for you, this seems like this is your passion. Like, you know, it's it's all over the place. You're the guy that's in front of the camera, right? And then you found that who that is like, your job is to figure out how, how to make that happen. And, you know, for the longest time, we were freelancers playing. And, and uh, as we started the businesses, right, like we need to wear some different hats here and there, right? But this is so important because the second we found that who that, that started to implement on the service side of things, on the product, they elevated that so much more. And then it gave us room to do this three times a week, which we absolutely love. So I just yeah. don't want that lesson to like being over seen either and thank you for the insight on on the company now you know we just might copy it so, <laughs> yeah we're um, the, that's that's a new framework <laughs> for our marketing plan over here now um I, earlier today we 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 tuned into a couple videos one and i have them right there on my notes the believe video uh or be live video <laughs> however we want to pronounce it which was incredible there's a framework there i don't know if we could dive in a little bit into it because the sure. the, the belief that people have on their personal life on their business and and last night specifically I, I went to a place where i haven't been in there you know the holidays there's family in town i i don't feel the momentum at work like it was just like when i came to the office monday i was like ah silence i can get stuff done now right and and the stress was built up and, and i didn't let it out and i think that was the, the perfect video for me this morning to to actually watch and, and consume because there's certain things that we can do every single day to make sure that you know we're we're continuing to in the right direction is there a specific point where, like, how how do we frame, how do we train our brain on the words that we say that are so powerful so we can start creating that momentum and that future that we want to create? Okay, there's a, this is a loaded question here. Okay, <laughs> so you're pointing to a video that I think I spoke for about 35 minutes. I'm trying to condense down some I, ideas yeah, it, and then maybe we go a little deeper with you, okay? Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, I, I forget who said this, but uh, they said this is one of like the great philosophers is to observe without judgment, 
is one of the highest forms of intelligence. And there's a difference between observation and perception. Okay, so when I observe something, I'm seeing yeah. it for what it is. I'm not telling myself some kind of story. But once it gets filtered through my lens, through my eyes and experience, mm. I all of a sudden attach meaning to it. So, for example, if somebody were to cut you off on the freeway, you might tell yourself a story because we want to have meaning because it feels very unstable and chaotic in our world. Yeah. If something happens, we don't understand why. So we make up all kinds of stories and most of those stories don't actually help us. So the story that we tell ourselves is, you know what, that person's a jerk. They're so inconsiderate. They didn't see me. Uh, actually, they're doing this to spite me because they think I'm not a person worth paying attention to. Yeah. And that's one story. A different story could be uh, this person is stressed out. They're about to lose their job and their kid got sick this morning and they're a single parent. And they had to take care of them before they went to work. And so they're late. That's a different mm, story. Yeah. But the observation is a car just moved in front of me. Absolutely. So all these stories that we tell ourselves, unfortunately, because of our conditioning, our upbringing, uh, who our parents are, the kinds of stories they told us to try yeah. to protect us from the world started to make us fearful of other people. Think about that expression. Don't talk to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because strangers are going to take something from you. So now mm. we already have a built-in uh, prejudice against people to say that they're going to take from us, yeah, that yeah. they're they're up to no good. And that didn't come from anything. So that's why we have fear of people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, because True. we were told not to trust those kinds of people. Yeah. And so this is creating division mm. and, and animosity between people that shouldn't even have that. So yeah. the belief, the word lies in the word belief. It's just like, I think we just need to learn to be better neutral and objective observers of what happens to work on that first. Yeah. And from that, then you can tell yourself whatever kind of story that you want, but to be able yeah. to see things cl clearly for what they are versus yeah. what you want them to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to kind of like backtrack a little bit to something you said at the beginning, that is when you started doing content, you had to push a lot of your fears away. We found this year which probably has been the year that I've defeated, if you want to put it in that way, the most limiting, the, the most amount of limiting beliefs that I've had is because of something happens when you put your thoughts into words. And I, I think that that can work to reshape the stories that now you're telling yourself. Because I've happened, it happened many times where I say something and then I'm like, whoa, did I really believe that? Right. And then it, mm. it kind of like takes me into this process of self-analysis. And mm. I'm like, oh, no. Wow. And, and then it starts leading to, okay, how do I change this belief? Does that, did, did that happen to you? Does that still happen to you in a way? It happens to me all the time. Uh, and there's a reason why it happens to us, because in the back of our brain somewhere in that gray and that white matter are all our ideas. Mm. And it's very malleable. It, takes many different forms. Uh, it's kind of like dreaming. Yeah. You know how sometimes you're dreaming, you're in a car and the next thing you're on the beach and then you're eating a hot dog. It, none of it makes any sense. And that's yeah. kind of how your brain works. It's going from idea to idea to idea until you articulate that idea, whether you say it out loud, whether you write it or record on a video or record a podcast, mm -hmm. you really are not committed to that idea at all. That's mm. why uh, David C. Baker talks about this in his book, The Business of Expertise. He says, you gain clarity through articulation mm -hmm. so when you say something you then become aware of what it is that you actually think 
Yeah. This is where it's helpful to have dialogue with people. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the best ways to do this is through uh, school or teaching. So when you yeah. try to teach something, inevitably somebody's going to raise their hands like, uh, so why did you make the decision to use red? Or why did you guys decide to wear matching purple shirts today? <laughs> and then you have to explain to yourself like what? It was purely coincidental or we only have purple shirts. So no matter what shirt <laughs> you pick, it's always going to be the same. That's Fonsi's case. You or we have. like this duality. <laughs> you know, we, we like that we're both named Luis and we're both going to do this and we're both wearing our hats backwards and that's our <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Like we're yeah. twins, but not. Right? <laughs> confusing so there's a decision there yeah so what we want to do is we want to get into this habit of putting ourselves in a position where we are forced to articulate our ideas yeah because the first time you ask that question is really the first time i make a commitment to it and mm. then i have to ask myself why do i believe that and mm. is this true and what evidence do i have that this is true yeah now mm. one thing that i do quite often is i try to debate myself if I have an idea, like if I'm wounded uh, because somebody said something, if I feel hurt or feel jealous or whatever emotion I'm going through, I have to ask myself, is this a valid response based on the objective information that's presented before us? Is this going to help me, us, you? And yeah. then I start to do and I said, you know what? That's silly. That's a mm. silly idea. Yeah. And this is not definitely going to help me. So I'm going to make a decision now. And the next time I'm in a situation like this, I have this feeling I'm going to say to myself, let it go. Just yeah. let it go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was about to ask you about if you have a framework, you know, when, when those ideas come in and, and, and how to get out of that rut. Because when, when we first started, and I think like the first time that we heard this was initially from our mother, right? She was, she's very wise and she's like, guys, like identify the situation, right? If you don't like it, identify that feeling and then, and then let it go. That helped us big time. You know, that she told me that when I was 15, 15, 16 years ago, right? Like, and, and it has helped us, but I've noticed that with the people and the environments that we're in, sometimes that's not the right thing that, that we the, see the all of the, the regular thing, right? The normal thing to, to do. Um, you know, we're kind of like the oddball that practice that. So I, I'm assuming that might be the majority of the environment. So how do you develop that habit? How you are co constantly identifying those ideas? Is it natural to you now? And for those starting, right? Like you mentioned, you know, put yourself in a position to articulate these ideas, right? For us, publishing has done that. Is there something different that you've done other than publishing that kind of helps you in your day to day with those kind of decisions? Yeah, I, I do have a lot of practice and this does come naturally to me. Mm. And I would do want to say that for people who don't think like this, don't think you're weird or anything. Maybe I'm the weirdo. <laughs> but I do remember, I think I was like eight or nine years old. And part of being in Asian culture is you receive these little red envelope of money during Lunar New Year. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Asians know this. Okay. Most Asians. And I remember back then I have no money. We're relatively uh, living modest lives. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is great. I have a an envelope <laughs> with the $20 bill. This is super awesome. Yeah. Something happened during that day and I lost the money. Mm. And I remember kind of beating myself up over it. Like, you're so stupid. Like, well, how could you be so careless? I thought about all the things that I could have bought, like comic books and toys and action yeah. figures, whatever. But then I asked myself, is this feeling something ever going to bring the money back? Mm. And I'm having this internal dialogue as a nine-year-old. And I was thinking, of course, it's not going to bring the money back. So what do we want to do about this? What we need to do is develop habit to make sure the things that we care about are placed in a consistent place and not just left around. Yeah. So to this day, I'm very habitual with where I put my keys, where I put my phone. So I almost always 
know where things are. Exactly. Wow. And so that's a habit. So do I want to live in regret? It's not going to bring the money back. Do I want to keep beating myself up over this? That's yeah. only going to make the pain feel worse. What I need to do is to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. That expression in life, you either win or you learn. Mm hmm. Right? Yeah. Binary, sorry. No, right? I love so it. I didn't win, obviously. <laughs> My only other option is to figure out how, how can I learn from the situation. Yeah. yeah. So that's part of the framework, right? Uh, we need to start to examine our thinking a little bit more to divorce ourselves. Like we are not our thoughts and we can control what we think. We have control over this, right? And then we have to examine like, where's this idea coming from? Yeah. Who put this idea in my head and trace it back to its origin and say, well, that was an irrational fear I had when I was six years old when a dog barked at me and I was scared to death that uh, the dog was going to bite me. And now I'm afraid of dogs. Yeah. Well, what happens now? Am I still afraid of dogs? And so we can examine that. So we can just have this examination, this internal reflection or meditation, as some people might put it. Yeah. And then we can understand, is this good for me? Mm. How can I learn from this? And if you use that, you'll start to clear up your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is amazing. I can tell you definitely Go, have... Golden boulder? Hold on. Yeah. No, that's not it. This that's, one. Okay. There we go. That, that's like a golden nugget, <laughs> but way, way bigger. Uh, <laughs> so, Chris, I, I can tell you definitely take responsibility of your life, right? And that's a trait that yeah. we have seen, obviously, on pretty much every successful people. They have uh, this inner locus of control where they look inwards when they have a problem, right? And how, again, how do I learn about this uh like you said i love that either i win or i learn and i think a lot of people they 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 need that moment where their awareness opens up and they can see that they're in control mm -hmm. of everything and i personally think this this little segment that you just did right here can be that moment where it opens their awareness to say wow everything is in my control and i can do everything in my power to move forward and what you just mentioned reminds me also Uh, the saying of Hal Elrod, the Miracle Morning, he says, he has a tattoo actually that says, can't change it. And he says he allows himself to feel uh, those feelings for like five minutes, right? Whether that is rage, sadness, whatever it is, anger. And then after that, he's like, can't change it. Now, what can I do, right? What can I do to, to move forward? So thank you so yeah. much for that framework. I yeah. really hope... I know I'm going to start using it and <laughs> try to, to put my own framework together with what yeah. you share with uh, us. Chris, I'm just going to throw Wait, this. Can I, can I add something before yeah, you yeah. ask another question? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, I, I want to clarify. You're not in control of everything. You're not. You're only control of the things that you can control. Yeah. So there's a serenity prayer. It goes something like this. To have a God or God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Mm. To have the courage to change the things that I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Now, mm. there are things that are going to happen to you. If you work for somebody and you get laid off, you can't control that. Yeah. yeah. You can control how you react, how you respond. Absolutely. So let's let's examine that for a second. So somebody lets you go, and it's tough times right now, right? If you work in an industry that's on, in collapsing and decline, you're going to get let go. It's what's, what's going to happen because they can't afford you anymore. You can go home and you can say, how do I want to respond or react to this? Yeah. Your reaction might be, this sucks, it's so unfair, they're disloyal, I've given them my, the best of me, uh, nobody will hire me again, I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't have enough skills. And then you could sit there and like a pig, you can wallow in that mud, Yeah, it could drag you down. Yeah, Because I think human nature also loves that negative feeling. It makes us feel alive in a really dark way. Or you could say, you know what, it's time I moved on. 
they were loyal to me for as long as I could. And they're going through their own challenges. And this is an industry that hasn't learned to adapt. Putting two more years into this is only going to make me two years less viable in the marketplace. This was an opportunity in disguise. I have to yeah. work at finding the opportunity. Well, you know, there was that other business I always wanted to launch, never got to. There were the 10 books that I promised myself I would have, I, I should have read five years ago and I haven't read. Yeah. There's relationships I need to repair. I've neglected them because of work. Yeah. I got to rekindle that. So there's a lot of different things that you can do if you can control how you react yeah. to things or how you respond. That's where the power is. Love Ooh. it. I, I want to actually tie content to what you just said because a lot of the times people, you know, they see the metrics. I didn't get that many views and immediately they quit. You don't control, right? <laughs> what we're talking right now, you don't control whether other people see it or not. But what you have in, in your control is, am I going to show up consistently? Am I going to publish it in these platforms where people usually come and they might see it, right? Yeah. So thank you for that. Because I think that plays a huge role in content creation, specifically at the very beginning when you might not see that much traction in your in your stats, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a story. We, we were in this uh, mastermind group together a few months ago when when COVID happened. And this lady, she used to work in a, in the cru cruise industry, right? And and she was mm -hmm. there. Uh, I saw her for a couple of weeks and, you know, she was just quiet. She was not participating much. And one day, you know, they asked her, like, hey, what, why are you here? Like, what, what happened that, that you're here? Like, we never seen you. Uh, like, we ne you never show that entrepreneurial spirit before, right? Like, you were in play. And she's like, look... My, my industry is closed right now. They, they let me go. I had to move in with my parents. And uh, and then I realized one day I woke up and my parents is like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, what's what's going on? Like, the you know, kind of like bashing her for because she got let go because of this crazy situation that's happening in the world. And she turned around. She's like, hey, guys, stop. I appreciate your thoughts. But as of today, I'm self-employed. Right. And just a change in perspective there where it's like I'm actually going to go and find and learn. And I'm starting to implement um, to me that that caused a, a, a great impression that day. Yeah. And, and it kind of ties down to what you just shared. It's like, OK, how can we change that perspective and, and move forward wherever we are? And, and it's crazy. I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, the time just flew by. I thought we were just talking for like 30 minutes. And, and there's definitely more stuff like how do you charge more? I mean, that's, that's crazy. A lot of people, I, I know that's one of the things that you do with the creatives. And there's a video with the, the snake oil video was incredible, by the way. People have to go, go see that because talking about haters and publishing and you putting out the, putting yourself out there being yourself there might be some people that would think that would love you or hate you so i'm just gonna throw this out there we might have to have you back for a second show um but before we go uh there, there's two quick questions right and uh one is for somebody that's kind of like starting up on the publishing journey or their their business that's normally the people that we have been connect what is your number one advice and this might be let's keep it as simple as possible because i know that we could potentially you know spend another hour just talking about this but it's like yeah that's a big question <laughs> that is a big question but somebody let's get super specific somebody that's publishing the only way to publishing is kind of what we call the minimum viable content which is your facebook live something without friction five minutes a day right and they're trying to sell a service to to a group of people right what will be something that they can start doing to get that momentum uh continuously and i feel that if they implement everything that we talked about they can but what is like your golden nugget, right? Or golden boulder? <laughs> For them to get into the content game? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm going to recommend to most people first, before you do anything, have an informed opinion. 
because there are too many people who are throwing around uninformed opinions. I just don't need another one to contribute to misinformation. It's one thing to say, like, I know what the options are and I choose to, to speak about this, but it's another thing to be ignorant of what the other options are and say, this is the truth. Mm. Well, that's a truth. That's your truth, but it's not necessarily the truth. Yeah. And we need to read. We need to organize our thinking. So I would say a couple of things. There's an exercise in the book, The Business of Expertise, where David Baker talks about uh, drop and give me 20. Okay, so that's the, mm. the military exercise to say, like, if you're in good physical condition, you should be able to drop and give me 20 push-ups right now. Uh, drop and give me uh, or 20 pull-ups, whatever it is. Yeah. So you have to be ready. So for people, sit down and think, what are the 20 things in my life that I know that could be valuable to somebody to the point in which they would pay me to know those things? Mm. And wow. really sit down and work on this and write. And, and, and your first time articulating it, Articulating an idea should not be on camera. Really just sit down and build structure, uh, build uh, an outline to what it is that you want to say. Find supporting information, go yeah. some research, find some quotes, and, and then now you've got some meat on the bones. Absolutely. Yeah. Then put that content out there so that you can sound like a more informed person and you could do this on any platform. So I recommend finding the space and the place that is the least friction for you to create content on a regular basis. If we remove the excuses, if we remove the pain of, of creating content, then we're more likely to do it. So for me, it could be on Twitter, it could be on Reddit, it could be on LinkedIn or on Facebook. Just write something and throw an image in there. Yeah. And then over time, you're going to see a pattern of what people really respond to. So there's a basic formula. I'm going to tell it to you right now. Okay tell a personal story that elicits an emotional reaction with a clear one clear takeaway mm. if you can hit these three things this is the golden formula why does it need to be a personal story well if this is a story that you read then we feel like other people have already shared that yeah. i get that so it should be a personal story how did this impact you how did you experience this story next Stories that get people to feel something are more likely to be shared and talked about. Mm -hmm. So it could be something of despair, of courage, of fear, of love, of honor, duty. Give me, give me to feel something. I'm going to share it. I'm going to connect with you. Mm -hmm. And last is you could tell a thousand stories, but if there's not this, you're missing a point. Make yeah. sure you know what the point is. Yeah. So this is where it gets complicated. People tell stories and then they have no point. So how do you solve that? Start with a point. <laughs> Write one sentence. What the one thing I want you to know from this is this. Yeah. And then when you tell the story, edit the story. So all the extra details that don't add up to the point are taken away. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have a really tightly knit story that's going to deliver a lot of value to people. That's going to connect with them on an emotional level. And that's how you start to do this. And you're going to start to see results almost immediately. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you, Chris. Thank Ma you so much. Masterclass in just like this last two yeah. minutes. Sorry, this is going to take 10 seconds, but my selfish <laughs> question that I wanted to ask, no. I'm not going to ask it because it's going to take so, some time, but it was along those lines. I wanted to know because your presentations are amazing and they're backed up with so many incredible quotes and I can tell you read a lot and you put all your knowledge in there. So my question was going to be if you have, any, well, the, the full question is not this, but do you have any resource <laughs> where you walk people through your research process how you put all these things together? Because I would love to be one of those students right there. Hmm. I do not. Maybe that's a class for 2021. 
But I, I will say this is uh, this is Jim Rohn quote, success leaves clues. And if you just start to look at the things I've made on the different platforms from Instagram to YouTube to LinkedIn to Twitter, you're going to get a pretty good blueprint as to how I do what I do. And literally just look at it chronologically yep. yeah. and jump from platform to platform. Align the dates within a week and you'll see like how my content strategy works and I'm not hiding anything. It's yeah. all in public display. Yeah. And so you'll start to be able to reverse engineer what it is that I'm doing. Absolutely. Thank you. I will definitely be doing that. I'm going to put my Sherlock Holmes glasses. <laughs> Fancy. Yeah. Homework <laughs> for that. Chris, last question. Where will you be if you did not publish? Where will I be if I did not publish? Yeah. I would probably be miserable working for the man, making commercials for a living and in a market that's in decline, competing on lower budget jobs that are not creative and fighting tooth and nail just to get the, that work. Yeah. Wow. So thank you. People, go publish, please. <laughs> go publish. Uh, go, go publish. Uh, start. Uh, Chris, it has been an incredible honor having you on the show. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? We've said it once or twice. We're going to leave all the links right in the description. All you got to do is scroll down and click there. Where's the best way to connect with you? You can find me on most social platforms at the Chris Doe, Doe spelled D-O. But the channel that where we create all our content is called The Future. And there's no E in the future. Just remember the future doesn't have an ego. Just drop the E. The yes. ego is gone. Right? So future. And you'll find everything that we do. Love Incredible. It. Um Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for being the last live guest of 2020, Chris. I appreciate you. Any last thoughts that you want to share that we might have missed? No, nothing uh, but to, to wish you all a happy holidays uh, and to uh, have a fruitful, productive, and a goal-busting 2021. Let's, Let's go. go. And with that being said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Content is Profit podcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at BizRoseCo. That is right. And if you find this episode impactful, which I am sure you did because yes. Chris was legendary, don't forget to share it and leave a five-star review. Thank you. Thank you, guys.